Volume three, chapter fourteen of the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fourteen returns to Mrs. Barnaby and relates some of the most interesting and instructive scenes of her life, together with several circumstances relative to one dearer to her than herself the real heroine of this love-story has been left too long and it is necessary we should return to see in what way her generous friendship for mr o'donagough was likely to end having kept her promise and paid the debt for which he had been detained as well as comforted him by the farther loan of two pounds ten shilling four pence she stated to him her intention of remaining for a month longer at her lodgings in half moon street adding with a degree of naivete that o'donagough felt to be extremely touching let this be a month of probation my dear friend for us both we met under circumstances too much calculated to soften the heart for either of us perhaps to be able fairly to judge how we may feel when those circumstances are past let me see as much of you as your occupations will permit i shall dine at five o'clock because the evenings are drawing in and i don't love candlelight before dinner you will always find a steak or a chop and a little brandy and water or something of that sort and now adieu this is a disagreeable place to pay or receive visits in and i flatter myself that i now leave it for ever let the most glowing gratitude that heart can feel be set forth in words of fluent eloquence such as befit the class to which mr o'donagough belonged and the answer which he gave to this speech will be the product nevertheless mr o'donagough knew what it meant perfectly well it meant that the widow barnaby although she had made up her mind to give herself and whatever she might happen to possess to a husband and although she was exceedingly well inclined to let that husband be mr patrick o'donagough she did not intend to go thus far in manifesting her favour towards him without knowing a little more than she did at present respecting the state of his affairs in a word he perceived as he repeated to himself with an approving smile that though on marriage she was bent she had a prudent mind nor was he notwithstanding the little irregularities into which he had heretofore fallen unworthy of becoming an object of tender attention to mrs barnaby much as he admired her he had steeled his soul to the virtuous resolution of putting a sudden stop to all farther intercourse between them should he find upon inquiry that prudence did not justify its continuance whatever deficiency of wisdom therefore the conduct of either had before shown it was evident that both were now actuated by a praiseworthy spirit of forethought that ought to have ensured the felicity of their future years it will be evident to all who study the state of the widow's mind at this period that she had considerably lowered the tone of her hopes and expectations from the moment she became aware of the defection of lord mucklebury the shock which her hopes had received by the disagreeable denouement of her engagement with major allen had been perfectly cured at least for a time by the devotion of the noble viscount and so well satisfied was she herself at an escape which had left her free to aim at a quarry so infinitely higher that what had been a mortification turned to a triumph and she enjoyed the idea that when she seemed to slip she had so gloriously recovered herself as to leave mrs peters and other envious wonderers cause to exclaim she rises higher half her length but from the time this coroneted bubble burst her courage fell her arrest was another blow mr morrison's desertion one heavier still and little as she cared for agnes or in truth for anybody living but herself the manner of her departure vexed and humbled her that crooked hag thinks she has made me truckle to her she exclaimed as her aunt and her niece drove off on the night that agnes first took up her abode with miss compton 
she thinks that because she spent some of her beggar's money to hire a carriage in order to bully me i shall count myself despised and forsaken but the spiteful old maid shall hear of my being married again and that will be wormwood i'll answer for it it was in this spirit that she set about inquiring into the private character and prospects of young mr o'donagough and her first step in the business showed at once her judgment and her zeal in the history he had given of himself he had spoken of a certain most respectable bookseller who as he modestly hinted knowing his worth and the exemplary manner in which he had turned from horse-racing to preaching had exerted himself in the kindest manner to obtain some situation for him that should atone for the severity of his father it was to him he had owed the engagement as domestic chaplain in the family of the nobleman formerly mentioned and it was to him mrs barnaby addressed herself for information that might lead to an engagement of still greater importance it was not however her purpose that her real object should be known and she therefore framed her inquiries in such a manner as to lead mr newbirth to suppose that her object was to obtain either a teacher or a preacher for her family circle having made it known that she wished a few minutes private conversation with the principal she was shown into a parlour by one of the clerks and civilly requested to sit down for a few minutes till mr newbirth could wait upon her it must be the fault of every individual so placed if such few minutes have not turned to good account for the table of this exemplary publisher was covered elbow deep in tracts sermons missionary reports mystical magazines and the like but as mrs barnaby was not habitually a reader she did not profit so much as she might have done by her situation and before mr newbirth's arrival had begun to think the few minutes mentioned by his clerk were unusually long ones at length however he appeared and then it was impossible to think she had waited too long for him for the gentle suavity of his demeanour made even a moment of his presence invaluable you have business with me madam he said with his heels gracefully fixed together and his person bent forward in humble salutation as far as was consistent with the safety of his nose pray do not rise i have now five minutes that i can spare without neglecting any serious duty and so saying he placed himself opposite to the lady in act to listen i have taken the liberty of waiting upon you sir replied mrs barnaby a little alarmed at the hint that her business must be completed in the space of five minutes in order to make some inquiries respecting a mr o'donagough who is i believe known to you mr o'donagough the reverend mr o'donagough madam the widow though well disposed to enlarge her knowledge and extend the limits of her principles was not yet fully initiated into the mysteries of regenerated ordinations and therefore replied as the daughter of an english clergyman might well be excused for doing no sir the gentleman i mean is mr patrick o'donagough he was not brought up to the church but there was something in the phrase brought up to the church that grated against the feelings of mr newbirth and his brow contracted and his voice became exceedingly solemn as he said i know mr patrick o'donagough who like many other shining lights was not brought up to the church but has nevertheless received the title of reverend from the congregation which has the best right to bestow it even that to which he has been called to preach mrs barnaby was not slow in perceiving her mistake and proceeded with her inquiries in such a manner as to prove that she was not unworthy to intercommune either with mr newbirth himself or any of those to whom he extended his patronage the result of the interview was highly satisfactory 
for though it seemed clear that mr newbirth was aware of the vexatious accident which had for some months checked the young preacher's career it was equally evident that the circumstance made no unfavourable impression and mrs barnaby returned to her lodgings with a pleasing conviction that now at least there could be no danger in giving way to the tender feeling which had so repeatedly beguiled her the reverend mr o'donagough would look very well in the paragraph which she was determined should record her marriage in the exeter paper and being quite determined that the three hundred and twenty-seven pounds per annum which still remained of her income should be firmly settled on herself she received her handsome friend when he arrived at the hour of dinner in a manner which showed he had lost nothing in her esteem since they parted it had so happened that within half an hour of the widow's quitting the shop of mr newbirth mr o'donagough entered it his patron received him very graciously and failed not to mention the visit he had received which though not elucidated by the lady's leaving any name was perfectly well understood by the person principally concerned there are some men who might have felt offended by learning that such a means of improving acquaintance had been resorted to but its effect on mr o'donagough was exactly the reverse his respect and estimation for the widow were infinitely increased thereby for though still a young man he had considerable experience and he felt assured that if mrs barnaby had not something to bestow besides her fair fat hand she would have been less cautious in letting it follow where it was so certain her heart had gone before the conviction thus logically obtained assisted the progress of the affair very essentially having learnt from mr newbirth that the place he had lost by the ill-timed arrest was filled by another who was not likely to give it up again he once more contrived to make his way to the presence of his father and gave him very clearly to understand that the very best thing he could do would be once more to furnish the means for his departure from europe that you may spend it again at the gaming-table you audacious scamp responded his noble but incensed progenitor no no sir replied the soft-voiced young preacher you are not aware of the change in my principles or you would have no such injurious suspicion as to your principles pat replied his lordship beguiled into a smile by the sanctified solemnity of his versatile son i do not comprehend how you could change them seeing that you never had any then instead of principles sir let me speak of practice it is now several months since i exchanged the race-course the billiard-table and the dice-box for the course of an extemporary preacher i am afraid my lord that your taste rather leads you to performances of a different kind or i would ask you to attend the meeting at which i am to expound next wednesday evening after which you could hardly doubt i imagine the sincerity of my conversation it would be putting your eloquence to rather a severe test master patrick but if you have really got a church to preach in at home why in the devil's name should you bother me again about going abroad because my lord i have no fixed stipend or any other honest and safe means of getting my bread and also because there are many other reasons which make it desirable that i should leave this country that at least is likely enough to be sure mr o'donagough but have the kindness to tell me what security you would give me for taking yourself off if i were again to furnish the means for it this was exactly the point to which the reformed son wished to bring the yielding father for it was not difficult to show many reasons for believing that he was in earnest in his intention to depart with as little delay as possible it was with great caution however that he hinted at the possibility of his taking a lady with him as his wife whose fortune was sufficient to prevent the necessity of his returning again to beg for bread even at the risk of liberty or life for he feared that if he confessed the prosperous state of his matrimonial hopes they might be held sufficient for his necessities but here he was mistaken 
for no sooner did his father discover that his case was not quite desperate than he manifested a considerable softening and before a fortnight had expired mr o'donagough was able to convince the enamoured widow that in uniting her destiny to his she would be yielding to no sinful weakness but securing both her temporal and eternal felicity on the firmest footing possible and now everything went on in so prosperous a manner as almost to disprove the truth of the oft-quoted assertion of the poet the course of true love never did run smooth for the loves of mr o'donagough and mrs barnaby met with not even a pebble of opposition as they ran evenly on towards matrimony this peaceful and pleasant progress was not a little assisted by a visit which the prudent peer deemed it advisable to make to the intended bride nothing could be more agreeable to the feelings of the lady than this attention nothing more advantageous to the interests of both parties than the result his lordship ascertained to a certainty that the widow had wherewithal to feed his son and most obligingly took care that it should be so secured as to place her fortune beyond the reach of any relapse on his part while the fair lady herself amidst all the gentle sweetness with which she seemed to let his lordship manage everything took excellent care of herself one thing only remained to be settled before the marriage took place and this was the obtaining an appointment as missionary to a congregation newly established in a beautiful part of australia where there was every reason to suppose that a large and brilliant society would soon give as much eclat to the successful efforts of an eloquent preacher as could be hoped for in the most fashionable reunion of saints in the mother country the appointment was in effect left in the hands of one or two whose constant exertions and never let anything escape them habits made them of personal importance in every decision of the kind this little committee agreed to meet at mr newbirth's on a certain evening for the purpose of being introduced to mrs barnaby and it was understood among them that if they found reason to be satisfied with her principles and probable usefulness in a new congregation the appointment should be given to mr o'donagough whose approaching marriage with her was well known to them all mrs newbirth who was quite a model of a wife and who therefore shared all her husband's peculiar notions respecting things in heaven and earth very obligingly lent her assistance at this important session both to prevent mrs barnaby's feeling herself awkward as being the only lady present and because it was reasonably supposed that she might be useful in giving the conversation such a turn as should elicit some of the more hidden but not therefore the least important traits of female character it was not intended that either mr o'donagough or his intended bride should be aware of the importance attached to this tea-drinking in mr newbirth's drawing-room but the expectant missionary had not lived thirty years in this wicked world for nothing and though the invitation was given in the most impromptu style possible he instantly suspected that the leaders of the congregation who were about to send out the mission intended to make this an opportunity for discovering what manner of woman the future mrs o'donagough might be considerable anxiety was the consequence of this idea in the mind of mr o'donagough he liked the thoughts of preaching and lecturing to the ladies and gentlemen of Modeltown, and therefore determined to spare no pains in preparing the widow for the trial that awaited her he found her by no means unapt at receiving the hints he gave respecting several important articles of faith which although new to her she seemed willing enough to adopt without much inquiry but he had a hard struggle before he could obtain the straightening of a single ringlet or the paling in the slightest degree the tint of her glowing rouge at length however the contest ended by his declaring that without her compliance on this point he should feel it his duty passionately as he adored her to delay their marriage till she could be induced for his sake to conform herself a little more to the customs and manners of the sect to which she belonged mrs barnaby's heart was not proof against such a remonstrance as this 
her resolution melted into tears and she promised that if he would never utter such cruel words again he should dress her hair himself in any manner he would choose as to my rouge she added i have only worn it my dear o'donagough because i consider it as the appendage of a woman of fashion but i will wear much less that is to say almost none at all for the fashion if such shall be your wish thank you my dear that's all right and i'll never plague you about it after i once get the appointment only do what i bid you to-night and we'll snap our fingers at them afterwards the party assembled at mr newbirth's consisted of himself and his lady and four gentlemen belonging to the congregation which was to be propitiated after the tea and coffee had disappeared mr newbirth who was the only gentleman in the company except her own o'donagough with whom mrs barnaby was personally acquainted opened the conversation by asking if the change of residence which she contemplated from one side of the world to the other was an agreeable prospect to her very much so indeed was the reply i suppose you are aware ma'am observed mr littleton who was senior clerk in a banking-house and the principal lay orator of the congregation i suppose you are aware that you are going among a set of people who though decidedly the most interesting portion of the human race in the eyes of all true christians are nevertheless persons accustomed heretofore to habits of irregular not to say licentious living how do you think ma'am that you shall like to fall into habits of friendship and intimacy with such mr o'donagough listened with a good deal of anxiety for the answer but it was a point on which he had given his affianced bride very ample instructions and she did not disgrace her teacher my notions upon that point sir she replied are rather particular i believe for so far from thinking the worse of my fellow-creatures because they have done wrong i always think that is the very reason why i should seek their company and exert myself in all ways to do them good and to make them take their place among the first and greatest in the kingdom of heaven a murmur of applause ran around the little circle as mrs barnaby concluded her speech and mr littleton in particular expressed his approbation of her sentiments in a manner that inspired the happy o'donagough with the most sanguine hopes of success i never heard better sense or sounder principles or more christian feelings in the whole course of my life than what this lady has now expressed and i will take upon me to say gentlemen without making any new difficulty about the matter that any minister going out to sydney in the holy and reverend character of a missionary sent by an independent congregation of devotional men with such a wife in his hand as this good lady will be sure to make will do more good in his generation than all the bishops and archbishops that ever were consecrated after the manner of the worn-out superstitions of bygone ages gentlemen he continued rising from his chair i do therefore forthwith propose the immediate election of the rev patrick o'donagough to the office of missionary from the independent congregation of anti-work christians of london to the independent congregation of anti-work christians at sydney with the privilege and undivided monopoly of tract and hymn selling to the said congregation together with a patent right not royal patent but holy patent to all fees donations contributions and payments of whatsoever kind made by the said independent congregation of anti-work christians at sydney for and on account of the salvation of their souls this gentleman is the resolution i would propose and i trust that some among you will readily be found to second it that sir will i and most joyfully said mr dellant rising for i neither do nor can feel the shadow of a doubt that our beneficent objects in dispatching this mission will be more forwarded by this appointment than by any other it is probable gentlemen i might say possible 
we could make for where i would ask shall we find another mrs barnaby may we not say in the language of scripture that she is a help meet for him even for the reverend patrick o'donagough whom we have chosen mr newbirth followed on the same side giving many unanswerable reasons for believing that nothing which the stiff-necked unconverted obsolete ministers of the church of england could do for the predestined army of saints at present located at sydney could approach in utility and saving efficacy of absolving grace to what might be hoped from the ministry of mr o'donagough assisted by the lady he was so happy as to have engaged to be his wife it gives me the most heartfelt pleasure gentlemen he continued that my little humble drawing-room should have made the scene of this happy election how many souls now most probably grovelling in the lowest depths of vice will have places secured them upon the highest seats of heaven by your work gentlemen begun continued and ended within this one propitious hour i would now propose that we do all stand up and sing a hymn to the glory of sinners made perfect next that we do all kneel down to hear and join in an awakening prayer from our new missionary and finally that we walk into mrs newbirth's back drawing-room there to partake of such creature comforts as she in her care shall have provided this speech was also received with great applause some few pleasant and holy remarks and observations were made by the other gentlemen present and all things proceeded to the happy finale suggested by their host in the most amicable and satisfactory manner so that before mr o'donagough rose to escort mrs barnaby to the coach which was to convey her to half-moon street he was given to understand on the indefeasible authority of mr littleton that he might consider himself already as the anti-work missionary elect and might set about the preparations for his marriage and subsequent departure without farther uncertainty or delay mrs barnaby's troubles now seemed really at an end nothing could move onward with a smoother surer pace than did the business which she and her chosen companion had before them the bridegroom's noble father became liberal and kind under the certainty of his clever son's certain departure the lawyers behaved exceedingly well about the settlements influenced perhaps in some degree by the wishes of the peer who as it seemed was almost nervously anxious for the departure of the happy pair the dressmakers worked briskly and a very respectable subscription was raised among the ladies of the independent congregation for the purchase of several elegant little presents for the bride which they thought might prove useful during her voyage in this happy state we will leave our heroine in order to see how matters were proceeding at clifton End of chapter fourteen